This is WQA Radio, a podcast from the Water Quality Association, the leading voice of the water treatment industry. Three, two, one. And hello, I'm your host, Wes Bleed. The inaugural task, the impeachment task, uh, I think what you're going to see is people getting down to work and, and starting to look at confirmations confirming more more of more the administration's officials and starting to look at, at some of these COVID relief packages. And then eventually they're gonna start looking at an infrastructure package. That's WQA Global Government Affairs Director David Loveday talking about the new administration in Washington, what are the hot button issues likely to see action, and how that all impacts members of the Water Quality Association. And welcome to WQA Radio, news and insights about the water treatment industry. Find us at WQA.org and on social media like Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. This is episode number 203, and if you're joining us for the first time, we're so glad you're here. Be sure to hit that subscribe button on your podcast app so you never miss a show. That is the magic of podcasting. We are publishing this on February 17th of 2021, and in this episode, we talk with David Loveday on President Biden's picks to head the EPA and the Department of Agriculture and how those selections might affect, oh, things like PFAS legislation and groundwater concerns. Plus, how the DC fly-in will change this year because of COVID-19. And we'll have our WQA tip. Now on to my conversation with David Loveday on WQA Radio. And we are joined by David Loveday, WQA's Global Government Affairs Director. And we touch base with David from time to time and talk about government affairs, regulatory affairs, and just the general landscape out there. And David, welcome to WQA Radio. Thanks, Russ. Glad to be here. It's uh, been an interesting time, an interesting series of months since we last spoke, and we have, a, we have a new administration in Washington. Why don't we start there? Can you give us kind of that uh, overview, 30,000-foot view of the new administration and the cabinet choices the president has made? You know, it, it, yeah, obviously the election you know, is over. Uh, the administration is starting to place its own people. Several have been confirmed. Some are still going through the confirmation process. Uh, but, you know, I think you're going to hear a lot of words like environmental justice, social justice within this administration. So, and I think uh, also climate change is going to be a big decision where uh, the White House has put a lot of emphasis on that and actually brought a lot of uh, former Obama people into the administration. Uh, Gene McCarthy, the former EPA administrator, is now at the White House. John Kerry's there at the White House, and and so you're going to see a lot of you know, envir- uh, climate change, environmental justice, which will wrap in and include uh, water and water quality. Now, when it comes to the makeup of the House and Senate, we still are very narrowly defined or divided. We have uh, a House majority and uh, for the Democrats but only a handful of House uh, or House seats. And then the uh, the Senate is essentially 50-50 with Kamala Harris, the vice president, the tie-breaking vote. So 
do we think that there would be a lot of movement and a lot of uh, actual legislation passed? I, I think you're going to see um, a lot of negotiation going on. We've seen the stimulus package where the Democrats say they're going to uh, do it alone. Uh, uh, we'll have to wait and see. But you're absolutely right, Wes. The House, the majority in the House is very, very slim now. Six or seven House seats separate the majority there. And like you said, in the Senate, it's basically 50-50. So they, you know, it takes one or two uh, Democrats in the Senate, one especially, that could, uh, you know, change the influence and have a lot of influence on what policy and negotiations go on. So um, I, I think you're going to see, you know, the vice the president, President Biden has come out strong with a pretty strong 100-day initiative, a lot of which focusing on COVID relief. Uh, and he's going to try to get his, his uh, package through. Um, and we'll have to wait and see. But, but, the, but the only thing that's going to change now is there is eventually going to have to be some negotiation. You can't completely always always run bills through and, and have a negotiation. Well, I think it's going to be better, make better bills, better policy. Right. And things may not move as quickly as one would think uh, that they could. I mean, obviously, we've seen the president sign a number of executive, uh, orders. Uh, executive orders. Right. And but there's a limit to that. You can only mm -hmm. do so many executive orders and and otherwise you need to. Uh, actually get some legislation passed. So we'll have to see how that looks. You mentioned a little bit ago about that, that some of the nominees for cabinet positions are still being considered. Now, what about the EPA? Tell us about that and how that might change. The two, two of them are really interesting. One is the EPA. And uh, re, uh, uh, the nominee is Regan from North Carolina. He is the, uh, was the director, is the director of environmental quality at the state of North Carolina. He has worked on the Gen X issue down in North Carolina with the PFAS issue and did a uh, negotiate and signed the uh, uh, consent order for the cleanup and remediation down there, which includes point of use and point of entry. So he could be a very interesting pick. Uh, my hope is, and I believe that he does understand the point of use and point of entry uh, landscape concerning he negotiated that bill. And then there's the Division of Water, which will be, uh, has not set a confirmation date, but she comes from uh, an uh, uh, environmental group, which does know point of use and point of entry and works on water quality and other issues around the country. So I think you're gonna see a heavy emphasis on, on uh, again, uh, water uh, and look at Remediation, I think PFAS, they, they've talked a lot about it. Try to get a better handle on it. Maybe try to set a, a more regu regulatory action on it. We'll wait and see when they get in. They're going to find that setting an MCL takes a little bit longer than you think. A lot of hoops and, and you have to go through. But I think you're going to see an emphasis on those, some of those emergency contaminants that are going to be coming through at the EPA. The other interesting, uh, Pick will be over USDA, where uh, the the Secretary of Agriculture was the same Secretary of Agriculture in Obama. He's from Iowa and uh, has a good reputation, bipartisan uh, uh, person. And we're going to look at that area to look at possible look at their at their groundwater, uh, rural water program, 
And so we're optimistic that there'll be opportunity, not just at the EPA, but over at the USDA. And back to the EPA for a second. Do you have any indication of whether the uh, lead and copper rule would be looked at again, or is that pretty well set? The lead and copper rule, all, all, all rules that were not that were promulgated by the Trump administration, that were not um, uh, finalized, and this lead and copper rule is still after publication, is is going to be reviewed. It's been they put a, uh, they they uh, have each of the, uh, the EPA will be looking at that. Hard to say what's going to happen with the lead and copper rule. Um, you know, so right now it is one of the things that the administration, both at the White House and the EPA, are looking at it and reviewing it right now. So stay tuned on that. But as of right now, we're moving forward that it will be finalized, but that's subject to change. All right. And we'll be monitoring that, David's office, obviously, and then we'll communicate that out in our weekly e news, mm-hmm. anything else. Or, you know, future podcasts and videos and so forth. All right. Um, You know, another uh, branch of the government that our members might be interested in is the Small Business Administration. Any indication of uh, what that's going to look like, David? Not, not, it's hard to say. I think they're going to be doing some regulatory look at that. Uh, Part of the, uh, you know, stimulus package, they may look look to help small businesses under under the COVID stimulus plan. Uh, so we have the PPP program still moving forward with small businesses. But uh, I think um, the administration you know, has talked about helping small businesses. So that would fall under the Small Business Administration. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see, again, where this package goes and what kind of relief and what kind of program will move forward with it. I think now we're in, at present day weekend. Um, you know, the inaugural passed, the impeachment passed. Uh, I think what you're going to see is people getting down to work and, and starting to look at confirmations, confirming more more of more the administration's officials, and starting to look at, at some of these COVID relief packages. And then eventually, they're going to start looking at an infrastructure package. Oh, yeah. Infrastructure. Sure. That that was obviously there was hope for that back uh, in the last four years and never got done because of a number of reasons. So infrastructure is always interesting because it means money is being spent on roads, bridges, water, air, uh, just about anything you can think of. And I know that we'll want to make sure our uh, point of use and point of entry are considered when it comes to any infrastructure spending. Yeah, we're working with the U.S. Chamber of Commerce on that and other stakeholders. The U.S. Chamber of Commerce wrote a letter to four leaders on the infrastructure plan and what they hope uh, would be included. And again, some of these are very big projects with you know, the Bureau of Reclamation and others, but they did include in, in the U.S. Chamber of Commerce the expansion use of point of use and point of entry technology as part of the plan. So we'll see okay. where that goes, but we're going to advocate that very strongly. Great. And then let's move out into the states, 50 states worth of legislation. Your office is always monitoring those bills as well. What are you seeing as uh, this new year gets underway? I think we're seeing a lot of the same. A lot of lead bills still are coming through because last year, several states were not able to do a lot because of COVID. They focused on COVID and a lot of sessions were cut short. But now you're starting to see lead bills come back. You're starting to see uh, emergent contaminants like PFAS. TCP one two three in critical parts of the country coming in with legislation, 
So um, we anticipate again looking at those bills uh, and monitoring support, uh, advocating for the support of those of those type of bills, and certainly advocating the support of remediation with point of use and point of entry. Uh, so we'll continue that work. Um, so so you know last year we had over 200 bills we were monitoring. I anticipate we'll have about the same amount this year. Yeah, no question about it. It's a it's a busy time uh, as states track uh, and, and introduce new legislation, and there's always seemingly something around the corner. So I know you're playing, paying close attention to that. Uh, any other trends you're noticing, or anything um, anything else? Again, I, again, I think the thing we'll have to watch is uh, the environmental justice issue, um, and 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 the which will be both at the federal and state level. Uh, we are looking at some some positive movement with remediation uh, programs in California with the safer program using point of use and point of entry. We're looking and, and I think what we're going to do very hard to look at the more acceptance of the of point of use and point of entry at the federal but also at the state level. Uh, folks, if you're listening and you're not a member of WQA, this is the kind of uh, information advocacy monitoring that goes on on a daily, weekly, monthly basis and is the kind of thing that WQA is doing for its members. And so, you know, um, I don't know how else to say it. You know, if you're listening and you're not a member, really consider joining because uh, not only is it helpful to you, it's helpful to us to have other like-minded water treatment professionals involved. And speaking of like-minded water treatment professionals getting involved, uh, what's the status of the DC fly-in for this year? Because I know it's been growing in popularity over the last few years. David, we had, I think last year was the, the most we've had at, uh, in any of these last several years. And yet here we are with COVID. So I know things are, things are changing. Yeah, last year we had a great uh, turnout. <clears throat> Florida DC flying, uh, but obviously, you know, and actually last year we were one of the last groups we were going to Washington DC before everything got to locked down with COVID-19. So um, obviously it's still locked down. Capitals locked down for both the COVID and security issues. There are no in-person meetings going on, but we're going to move forward with the DC flying, but it's going to be more virtual. And what we're going to do is do a series of virtual meetings with, uh, Possibly the groups like U.S. Chamber of Commerce talk about doing guarantees on one day for a couple of hours, an hour or two. Then we'll reach out. We won't do one-on-one -on -one meetings like we normally do with, with members of Congress. We had over 60 or 70 meetings last year. But we'll find key champions in the legislature, both in the House and the Senate, hopefully Democrat and Republican, that will then spend, you know, do a roundtable or or a discussion on what the issues are later in the year. Maybe that one will be after our annual meeting. And then finally, after that, we would try to get, once the administration gets settled in, with all the confirmations and, and going on, we'll try to work with getting an administration official to do a virtual meeting uh, 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 for us too. So DC flying will have a different look this year. It'll be virtual, uh, but, uh, we still plan to do it because we do think it's very important to keep the WQA name out in front of people in Washington. I think the last couple of years with the DC flying and our work with the Gephardt Group and others, we have certainly become uh, more relevant 
in Washington. People know who, the, who we are, what the industry is doing. So we have to keep that momentum going. Yeah, excellent. Stay tuned for the opportunities for you to get plugged into, again, to a different type of DC fly-in, but still very interesting and and very relevant to what's going on with the uh, with the water treatment industry. All right, David. Hey, this was great. Great catching up with you. Thanks for all you do to monitor, as, as we were talking just a, sh- a short minute ago, monitoring and advocacy and outreach and staying in touch with the state and regional WQAs and all of that. So uh, thanks and uh, appreciate you joining us on WQA Radio. Thanks, Russ. Great to be here. Our WQA tip, plan now to join us for the WQA annual meeting to be held online April 27th at noon Eastern, 11 o'clock Central. We'll have the election of officers, the 2021 Leadership Awards, plus a keynote address. All WQA members are invited to participate in this year's annual meeting. Again, that's April 27th, noon Eastern, 11 o'clock Central. Thanks for listening to WQA Radio, a podcast of the Water Quality Association, the leading voice of the water treatment industry. Remember, you can subscribe to WQA Radio on most popular podcast apps. Learn more about water at WQA.org and, of course, learn about WQA product certification, professional certification, and how you can become a member at WQA.org. This is Wes Bleed, so long from WQA Radio.